I don't know if you've ever taken time to listen to the things you tell yourself. What I found at certain points is that I was talking really badly to myself because it starts with me, right? Whatever I have inside of me is what I project out. All right, well, today we have with us Nicole Cora. Uh, Nicole and I have known each other now for almost 12 years. Almost 12 right? years. Yeah, 12 years because we met at the Sheraton Phoenix downtown mm -hmm. uh, when we were opening that hotel. And Nicole is the Client Relationship Director, Corporate Learning and Executive Education for Arizona State University. That's a long title. Yeah, it's a, it encompasses that, a lot of stuff. Is that what you have on your business card? No, just client relationship direct. Okay, got it, got it. <laughs> so um, Nicole is one of those people with whom I can have a conversation about anything. And we can easily go in these rabbit holes very quickly about analyzing it, exploring it. And in the spirit of what's happening, not only with coronavirus, but just life in general. Uh, we're both parents, both have two kids. Mine are older, your, your, uh, yours are younger. Uh, we decided that the topic that we wanted to talk about was about controlling what you can control in work and life, right? Right. But I don't want us to come across as life coaches because we're not life coaches. We're just right. two people grinding it every day, struggling with the different issues of life and work on a day-to-day -day basis, right? That's right. All right. So before we jump into the topic, um, go ahead and take a moment, obviously introduce yourself, a little bit about your background so that those that are watching us and listening to us can know who you are. Yeah, great. So By the way, feel free. I, I, it's water. Okay. Yeah, me too. I'll okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I just did a cheers to you and a sip. Um, so let's see. So like Gustavo said, I've known him now for almost 12 years, um, which is crazy to look back on that time. I know. <laughs> to tell you a little bit about myself, now I am Nicole Cora Garcia. Um, so, mm -hmm. so we've known each other, married with two children. Um, but I, um, from a career standpoint, um, you know, I wasn't really ever sure what I was going to do and somehow ended up in the hotel business and became a hotelier very quickly. Um, working for companies like Ritz-Carlton that really pushed me into a sphere uh, and world and culture that just absorbed um, every part of my being because I realized I was a people person. I never knew how I was going to make that work, but it, it showed up and it's in the universe brings you those great presents. Yep. So yep. Um, yep. I spent almost 20 years of my life from the age of 18. Um, and so you can count on from there, 20 years of my life in the hotel business and um, had a really amazing career. I um, had an opportunity to spend time in um, operations. I grew up in food and beverage and so was super fascinated by the food world, um, working in restaurants, the idea of being able to um, engage people through food, through wine or any, you know, whatever spirit or beverage they appreciated. Um, but moved from there and had the opportunity to jump into HR, which was a major transformation for me. And the way I got there is because I worked for an executive chef and he told me I talked too much, and he <laughs> said, which is the story of my life. 
and <laughs> and he had to be a chef. <laughs> it had to be, and yes, very much so. And so, yeah. um, you know, you giggle. I giggle about that now, but I look back on that, and he really was the person who introduced me to learning and development, and the opportunity to engage with people in a totally different way. And um, I moved into HR, where I spent a big bulk of my career, probably about ten years, where I had the chance to work. Um, and an on-property HR team um, in a consulting firm in um, learning and development. So looked at it from a more entrepreneurial um, spirit, however, being able to bring learning to organizations and being a mm-hmm. vendor. Um, and then from there, moving back into a mega corporate, being Starwood Hotels and mm-hmm. a global learning team, which was phenomenal because we had such good reach for over 180,000 associates. So. Um, it was a tremendous opportunity. Um, but what I realized is that there, there was a part of it that, you know, in learning, we spend half our time trying to think up of all of the good things. And I always say it's, it's the glass always is half full and the rose colored glasses and everything yeah. possible in learning. And one thing that I felt personally <clears throat> talk about trying to control something is that the glass isn't always half full. Mm-hmm. It's not always easy. And how do we expect um, leaders and organizations who are running the operations to actually execute on all these things that we're dreaming about and learning? And so um, that really pushed me to the opportunity to go back into operations. And that's how we came across each other. We had a great GM who saw my potential and I moved back into um, operations and moved to the room side now. So that was really interesting and fun and did that for about six years. And um, I decided to go back to school because um, I think part of our life is we're constantly evolving and we have the opportunity to really be lifelong learners. Uh, And that really, that comes to life in any way that you look at it. It depends on who you are and what you do, but there's opportunity to learn something new every day. So um, I wanted the opportunity to go back to school. Um, On my bucket list, it was always, I wanted to get an MBA and I didn't know how I was going to make that happen. So 18 years after my undergrad. (laughs) <laughs> to apply for an MBA program. Um, and I actually had the chance to go, um, I got accepted at the W.P. Carey School at Arizona State University and um, was a full-time employee going to school and going to school full-time. And it was intense and I learned a lot and it was a great opportunity. Um, but I quickly learned that um, what I didn't want to be when I went mm-hmm. to school, which was I wasn't looking to be at the top of the organization. I wanted to be at the part of the organization where the heartbeat was. And that really mm-hmm. brought me back to um, human development and capital and, and the opportunity for people to be at the main asset of the organization. I know that there are so many other pieces to it, but without the people, we really can't move to that next step. Mm-hmm. And so um, I decided to leave operations, which was one of the scariest things that I did. And um, through through the graces again of the great universe, um, I had an opportunity to start working at Arizona State University, um, and I started um, working at the school that I had just graduated from um, in in a role that was really helped dedicating to build um, employer engagement. Um, a lot of the things we did in hospitality, we just transferred it to an academic environment. Um, corporate engagement. How do you get a company to want to engage with the university and and see all the possibilities of things that they can do while they're there? It's not just a place where you can recruit students. It's a place that you can do research or you can work on projects or you can try to solve your your company's largest problems. You can help educate your associates there. 
Um, and I did that for a couple of years and I found my way back to um, corporate learning through executive education, which is where I am now. Um, and now I get the opportunity to work with big companies and help them develop some pretty phenomenal um, learning strategies for their organizations. Uh, you know, in, in the side of work that I do, it's a non-degree space. Um, we usually focus from um, middle manager and above to the C-suite. Um, and it gives people the opportunity to keep tapping into that learning resource without the pressure of having a degree, um, but still having the resources of an, um, an academic environment. So got it. it's got been it. a really interesting journey. Um, it's funny the way things go full circle and, yeah. and it brings you back, but it, it just shows that um, your passions always come out, right? The things that you love and that you really tailor for um, always show up somehow. So, Yeah, and, and certainly give me a second because I, I always have a, I always have a pen with me because I believe it or not, I do take notes as, as, as we go along. Um, you know, sometimes those passions come out and, and depending on your personality, you either pursue those or you don't, um, you know, for whatever reasons. Right. And this is where the whole idea of control, what you can control comes into play. So here you have a career where you've gone from operations to HR, um, operations, learning, and you've been able to maneuver this entire process, uh, completing an MBA, and now you've been with Arizona State for, for almost six years. Uh, according yeah. to LinkedIn, it's five, uh, five years and <laughs> nine true, months. It's true, it's true, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> yes, almost six years. <laughs> yeah, it's almost six years. Yeah. Um, so I decided, okay, as we talk about control what you can control, I did a search right? I went to Google and I just typed in control what you can control. Hmm. And I found this thing that says the only seven things you can control in life. That's the title of the, of the, um, of the article. Of the article. Right? <laughs> and, you know, um, I, I think we've been lucky that we obviously we're both married and we married spouses that understand us and, and tolerate and accept the way that we are. Right. <laughs> I'm pretty restless, right? Yes. Um, the whole idea of moving around, right? From, you know, I remember I was about to get married and my wife says, okay, so you're moving back to Puerto Rico. And say, so, yeah, I'm moving back to Puerto Rico. I start selling I everything. Am. Yes, yeah. I'm going. And then, <laughs> then I, I speak to one of my brothers and he says, are you sure you want to go back to Puerto Rico? No, I don't want to go back to Puerto Rico. I call my wife and I say, I don't want to go. Do you want to move to Miami? And she goes, okay. And it, it changed her entire paradigm. You know, first time she gets out right. of the country. And then we go from there to New Jersey, to Arizona, to Virginia, and now Ohio. And I'm always looking for, for what's next. What's the next step? But I always try to control that process, right? I, I don't describe myself as a... As a I don't even like the word entrepreneur, even though I come from a family of, do you find yourself, are you a calculated risk taker because you want to control the variables or you just go after it? Like some people are, they just don't think about it. They just go for it. Yeah. I think it depends on what it is in my life. Um, I would, I, I almost define my life at, right now as pre-kids and post-kids because <laughs> I'm a different <laughs> Um I think for um, context sake, I had my first child at 40. So I had a very, very robust life prior to ever having children. And I would tell you that my life before children, I probably was more on the risky side. You can take more risk at that time. Yep. 
have those attachments and commitments and um, those those um, things that you have to stay focused on for your kids' sake, right? Yeah. Um, I would tell you my pre-life, I was more, um, I, I set my mind to something and I was going right after it and whatever got in my way, I just knocked it out of the way and I just went for the goal. Um, yep. Yep. Now I think there's a lot more calculation because it's not just me and um, there has to be the thought process of like, how will this impact my husband? How will this impact my kids? Um, you know, what will this look like in a couple of years if I decide that this isn't what I want and or need? And so, um, I would tell you that today it's a little, it's more calculated, but, um, you know, I'm like you, I'm very lucky to have a partner who is willing to do whatever, like, you know. We're on a journey together and whatever happens, well, we're going for it. So. Yeah. yeah, it's, you know, I, I, um, I tell my wife, I'm, I'm going to start a, a, a podcast. She's like, okay. <laughs> and I'm buying computers, I'm buying camera, I'm buying lights. And she's like, okay, right. Um, but I remember my conversations with you and you, you, you were always curious about what's next. And certainly you were willing to risk and we would have conversations about, I'm thinking about this possible path or this possible path. So there were, there were conversations about it that I'm sure you had with other people. And I guess that's a way of controlling what the possible outcome might be mm-hmm. versus just, I just spoke to, you know, when, when we talk about, um, you know, Christine Brown, right, who we're helping, she's launching her own business. She just went full swing. I mean, she just, full swing. I mean, it just, I don't know that I could do that. And she just right. jumped on it. Right. Um, and she is not, I'm not saying that she's not controlling for the process, but she is, let, she's starting to control as the process, as, as things come her way, where in my case, I'm not sure yours, I go, no, I want to try to look at what that landscape looks like before oh, I, I make a decision. Right? I want to interview five people. I want to figure out like, what do they think about it? And how it impacted their lives. So I'm constantly con- collecting data points to try to figure out. And I think, you know, quite frankly, I will tell you, um, that's that critical thinking matter, right? It's mm-hmm. that, that thought of like, let's have enough data points so that we make a better decision, or at least what I feel is a better decision. Um, but sometimes there are just things that I'm like, no, I want that. I'm going to go get it. So it just, it depends on what the situation is, right? But, but do you I'm find yourself as, as, as you're exploring, do you find yourself talking to people, but it's not necessarily that you're looking to convince yourself because you already know you want to do it. Right. It's more that you're looking to see what is it that I haven't thought about, but I'm going to do right. it. And at at times, you you know, I find myself and my my wife always talks about this, (laughs) that I start in this point and then I start talking to people, I start talking to people and I end up on the starting point. And it's almost like, why did you do that? Well, because mentally, I have to go through that analysis process to ultimately make the the decision. So that's the way that I control the perceived outcome. Let's talk about it, right? I suffer from paralysis by analysis. Do you suffer from paralysis by analysis? No, because I, I think I like to rip the Band-Aid off at a certain point. Like, I mm-hmm. don't have enough data points. I'm just making the decision. Here I go. Yeah. No, I... So, I, so I, no, I, I, I've never... <laughs> because you're exactly right. If if there is something that I, I know I already want, I've made the decision. Now I'm just collecting data points just to reconfirm that I made the right decision, and then I move forward. Got it. 
And so maybe that's more of the sense. <laughs> yeah. So the first thing that this list says, the first thing that you can control is your breath. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I found interesting. I'm like, okay, I was not expecting that to be the number one thing that they mentioned. I don't know that these are in, in priority order, right. but it's a whole idea that you can, you know, uh, control your breath. What, what do you think? What do you think that means? I actually appreciate that. Um, I've been a huge founder of um, loving yoga and, and finding my breath. Um, I don't know if you notice, but there are lots of times as humans, we stop breathing and we, we hold our breath or we forget to pass that oxygen through our, our body, which is really the fuel. And mm -hmm. the way that you calm yourself down, the way that you can hype yourself up, the way that you can push yourself further is all through your breath. So I'm actually impressive that's number one that's right um, but you you're doing yoga i'm i'm not doing yoga i'm not sure. doing i'm not exercising i i, I just i right now <laughs> i'm holding no my breath pretty much on a daily <laughs> basis so that's all you need to breathe <laughs> your yeah. mind yeah. Um, think about it through meditation is another great way that you really center in on your breath because it helps to kind of move through your body mm -hmm. um, Exercising as well. Any athlete will tell you that breath is like one of the most key important um, productions of getting them to move that little bit further. Yeah. Um, you know, it's all that, that idea of the mind over body kind of thing. Um, and it's all through breath. So um, it's interesting because frankly, now my watch tells me to breathe. I don't know oh, about you, but I have a watch and it reminds me every couple of hours to take a minute just to breathe. And it says to breathe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you need one of these watches <laughs> maybe i need one well no interesting enough when i was pursuing uh um you know life as an actor and as a singer um it's interesting because in classes it was all about breathing right, right. singing it's all about breathing right that's why you can you know reach uh different parts and then as an actor when you are in, at that moment they would always say breathe take a breathe take breath so, so now I get it. I didn't think about it until I started reflecting on it. Yeah. Then the second one is your self-talk. That internal voice that is going, right? Yes. Do you, well, th think of where we are right now. Go ahead. <laughs> Do you feel so you can turn me. it off, that self-talk? Um, you, if you are aware enough of where the self-talk comes from, I think that you can help manage it. Um, I, you know, we talk about emotional intelligence, right? The first mm -hmm. part is your self-awareness, understanding yep. really where, where you are, how are you feeling, what emotions are popping up. And then the second part to emotional intelligence, which is really in your own self, right? Is your self-management and Correct. that, that self-talk comes in. Um, we have all, I don't know if you've ever taken time to listen to the things you tell yourself, but sometimes they are, and it is, um, what I found at certain points is that I was talking really badly to myself mm. and I never talk that way to anybody else. And so I've done a lot of work over the last couple of years to really be hypersensitive to myself because it starts with me, right? Whatever I have inside of me is what I project out. So, um, I love this list, by the way, because it's a great. Yeah. Well, I, and I guess that the point that they're, they're they're trying to make is is that that self talk has all has also need to be about being positive and reinforcing right. the good things. Um, you know, I I I, I I'm not a negative person, but I'm 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 hard on myself, right? It's sure. that's never good enough. That's never to the standard. Uh, you can do better than that. Why are you so lazy? Why don't you take more initiative, right? It's this constant barrage right. of thoughts that 
if I were to articulate that, actually verbalize it to someone, people will go, damn, that's You're so, so hard on yourself. Yeah. Yes. Don't, don't go to that guy, right? Yeah. So <laughs> controlling that internal voice, um, I, I think particularly when there's crisis, um, I, I think it becomes much more important because you need to slow down the thought and, and, and perhaps think about what the options are if you're unemployed, um, if you're going through a bad time at work. Uh, I know yeah. that at times I, I suck myself into the issues that I'm dealing with at work. And, you know, you, 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 I, you can easily become a victim. And, and I don't become a victim necessarily, or at least I don't think in the eyes of others, but in my mind, That's right. again, the negativity says, oh, you're just becoming a victim, right? That's Pull right. yourself together. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. Number three, I think you will like. Number three is your gratitude. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. So, uh, whether you're an Oprah fan or not, Oprah, <laughs> Oprah talks about the fact that for the last, like, I don't know, 15, 20 years, she has had a gratitude um, notebook that she's kept by her bed. Uh -huh. And at the end of the day, um, she writes down five things that she was really grateful for in that day. And so, I listen to that and I go, wow, she can pull a journal out from, you know, 1982 and say, on this day, this is what I was grateful about. And, you know, I think it's those little moments, you know, think of the environment we're in right now. We're in the middle of the COVID pandemic. Um, there are a lot of things that are very dark right now. And so how do we find that light? And we find that light through gratitude, right? I'm thankful that I'm healthy. I'm thankful and I have gratitude for my family. I'm thankful that we have a roof over our heads. Um, I'm grateful and thankful for the fact that we have food to put on the table. Um, you know, I'm thankful for Zoom. <laughs> I know. With other people. I mean, it's just, it's, it's things like that. And when you really take a moment to look around and, um, and start to think of that positive mindset, it also changes your self-talk. You know, mm. those two hand in hand. If, if I can recognize the things I'm grateful for, or I'm thankful for, or that I'm appreciative of, um, it helps me to give gratitude and it helps me bring positivity in my mind. You know, yeah. I think last year, um, I moved from a place where um, I was living in a lot of lack where I felt like what you were saying, I'm not good enough, or I'm not, I'm not reaching my full potential, or I'm not doing my best, or I'm not doing this. And it was with a small shift of moving from lack into starting to look into the life of abundance that I do lead. I have a beautiful family. I'm loved. I love, um, I live in a place with great weather. I mean, it just completely changed the entire mindset. And when you can move from lack to abundance, that's exactly it. That's that's taking gratitude, that's taking your self-talk, that's taking all those things. And those are things you can control. That's yeah. absolutely true. Yeah. I, I, you know, as I think about it, I certainly can be much more grateful. Um, it, 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 I think if you were to ask my kids and, and my wife, um, I take for granted the things that I have um, simply because I know that they're there. Yeah. Um, and, and, when I, and I struggle with the gratitude piece because um, at times I do think, well, it, 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 this, this is life. Well, you know, this is what you get. It's what you get, you know, and you move on, right? I'm, I'm not going to dwell on the gratitude piece. And at times I think I fall short on recognizing that not only I am in a, in a great position uh, with great circumstances around myself, 
that others don't have, but it's actually verbalizing that. And I think that's the, the piece that I took from this concept of gratitude is that it's verbalizing it more because I, 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 you know, it's like no, no news. It's good news. Right. So I, I sometimes live by that principle. My mom calls me and says, Hey, you haven't called me. And I said, mom, if, 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 if something bad would have happened, I would have called you. Everything's good. Right. Um, and, and definitely a son. Yes. Right. Um, but but I I'm 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 trying and I'm pushing myself to be much more grateful, but verbalizing it to others um, oh. versus just. Well, this is what you do, like at work, right? Well, you know, if you're doing your job and you don't hear from me, that's a good thing. Well, sometimes people want to hear, right? And yeah. they want to to say it's the little things, the thank you. I'm grateful that you're here. Um, that you made a choice of being part of the team or, or yeah. you know, to my wife or to my kids, particularly with my kids. I know that I'm pretty hard and it's almost like, nope, that's your responsibility. It's not about being grateful. You just do it because you're expected to be, do it versus, hey, like the other right. day, my daughter, this was, this was to me an example of gratitude. My daughter and I have very similar um, personalities and my mom was on me when I was growing up in keeping my, my room uh, organized. So I'm on top yes. of my daughter. And it came <laughs> a point that I just gave up, right? It was almost like she was doing it on purpose and say, mm-hmm. I know that this bothers you. And I just opted to ignore it. And the other day, actually two weeks ago, we're having a Zoom call with my brothers in Puerto Rico and my mother. And my brother says, hey, I haven't seen your house. Can you give us a tour of the house? So I'm, I'm walking with a computer showing the different areas mm-hmm. and all of a sudden my my daughter disappears and i go to her room with a cat with a with a computer and her <laughs> room is organized is absolutely clean and abuelita's I, on the phone yeah and, your brother's and my mother yes yep yeah. and they're like okay great and i move right i go to the other rooms and then i come back and i say can you just be honest with me and i ask my daughter did you clean the room because you knew I was coming? And she said, of course. And not only you were coming, but I knew that grandma, Abua, she calls it Abua. I knew that Abua was coming too with the camera and I didn't want to hear. Yeah, yeah. And instead of just walking away, I looked at her and I said, you just show that you can be selfless. And that's a a gesture of gratitude. And I appreciate very much that you did it. I'm not like that with my daughter, right? I don't walk around and, and... you're so precious and I love you. So it's just not the way I'm wired, right? My mother wasn't wired that way. But at that moment, I had to acknowledge what you did. I respect it. And I thank you very much for doing something that you know that for my mother is very important, even though it's not for you. And for you too. Yeah. Yes. Well, <laughs> well, now I just went upstairs and the room is a mess again. <laughs> well, that's okay. I mean, we can't win the war every day. I know. It's, it's so not bad. every day. All right. But it's... it's- that you um you bring with your children right you know um i have a two-year-old and a five-year-old and we practice the please and thank yous i mean just those simple things and those are those are gratitude moments and you start really early to teach um that it's really important to recognize that other people are taking time out of their day to help you or support you and you want to say please you want to say thank you um and you want to say i'm grateful for you because it's such a it's such an important piece and i think 
you know, especially in the world where we are today, I think that we're going to see a lot of us coming out of this space um, with a different mentality. And I hope that it is. Yeah. Hopeful that people will come out of this current environment that we're in with a new mindset of saying, you know what, I need to value the people who are around me because they are so critically important. And well, I, I do want to say this for those of you that are watching and listening. Listen, we're not trying to preach here. It's oh, not. Gosh, a, no. It's not our intention. We don't live these perfect lives. You know, it's no. not like I wake up at five o'clock in the morning and I go and exercise and take a, a deep breath in the morning and then I come in and I look at the world and say I'm so grateful for. It. Listen, it's it's not even close. Right. But we're trying, right? I try and my hardest every day. We try, right? right? right. And every day I say I'm going to start exercising and every day I postpone it, right? <laughs> so, so and, and every day I say it, I'm going to be much grateful for the things that I have. Right. And every day I skip it. So please do know this. By no means do we pretend to be these perfect right. individuals that control right. everything. You don't want to see when 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 the the, the bad side comes out right. <laughs> clearly you um, will say notice, <laughs> yeah. notice that i didn't share that i had a gratitude journal i mean <laughs> i know right the reality of it i love i aspire to be like oprah one day, <laughs> one day. <laughs> yeah yeah and sometimes sometimes by the way it's, it's what i call the the psychologist syndrome uh please psychologists uh don't get offended by this <laughs> but psychologists uh, give you advice. Mm -hmm. Many times they can't follow it themselves, right? There's there's some of that, perhaps even a lot. All right. Number four, your right, body language. Four. You can control your body language. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're hoteliers. I th think about it. Think of where we come from. Um, the premise of service is really what you've got written on your face. We know that 30% of our communication is verbal. The other 70% is nonverbal. And there's a little other numbers in there as well, but that's yep. the kind of even, even breakdown. And um, you could see it on my face. I mean, think of any person you walk up to and then their face changes. You're like, your face just changed. What happened? Yeah. 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 And, and there are some people who cannot control themselves. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm regularly paying it's attention. Years of practice and I'm, well, it's hard. It's so hard. hard. I will say as I've gotten older, I, I pay more attention to when I close my arms, right? This is a comfort zone for me, mm -hmm. but depending on the situation, I don't want people to think that I'm upset. So I tend to end okay. closed off. Yep. Closed mm -hmm. off. Um, my hips, I start, I'm starting having problems with my hips. So if I'm standing, <laughs> okay, I got a shift, right? Or if I'm driving, okay, you're leaning too much to this side. But the concept here is how the body language conveys or communicates not only to you and your state of mind, but also to others and what they may be perceiving. So, so they're, they're talking about it from the standpoint of, again, if you're dealing with a client or if you're going to an interview, you know, you know, <laughs> Imagine in a video interview and I'm interviewing for a job and I'm just like this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Right. I, I need to control that because it's going to convey a message that is probably right. not. I don't even know what I just did to you right now, <laughs> 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 that out. but it's, yeah. it's so very true. And I think um, in today's world too, in the environment that we're in, in this kind of virtual space, um, you, you put that to um, like team meetings, I think are mm -hmm. really interesting. Um, when, 
there's always one person who doesn't turn on their camera. And you wonder about that person. Like, why is that the one person who doesn't turn on their camera? <laughs> Nobody talks about it. It's the elephant in the room, but you know, everyone is thinking it. We're all here. <laughs> We're all giving you all of our best. We're trying to be like, you know, emote really good positivity out. And there's that one person. And so, um, you know, I think there, there's ways that even nonverbal, not even in your own, but there's little signals that we send to people that are conveying messages. Um, and you don't want to be tone deaf to those things because yeah. conveying a message. Yeah. Um, and, and it depends on what you're trying to um, get out of that conversation. And if you're doing so, then you are going to be thoughtful and you're going to think, how, how am I going to be perceived by this person? Um, and I think it's absolutely something you can control, um, but it takes a lot of work because there are times when I hear something that I don't like and my face starts to shift very quickly and I'm like, and I yeah. get this really weird look on my face and, and then I can feel myself doing it. And, but now in the world of virtual, I can see myself. So I'm like, oh my gosh, pull it back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so you, yeah. You, you, you don't have a poker face? I No, I think the mixture of being um, Latina, being a native worker, um, being a highly expressive extroverted person, everything is everywhere. everything is there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I, 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 I don't have a por poker face. Um, yeah, no, that I could say, and we can agree. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, you know, I, I think that, um, but I try hard. I try hard. <laughs> I do. I try hard. I, I got to pay attention to this one a little bit more now moving forward, just to see how I, I haven't paid attention lately as to what my face is saying. Right. Right. Um, okay. Number five, your mental and physical fitness. Um, all right. I'm, let's put aside for a second, the mental, okay. <laughs> physical fitness, bearing any, any limitations. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and I had a conversation with a friend of mine who, who's a PhD in physiology Ooh, good. and he differentiates physical activity and mm -hmm. exercising. Everybody can do physical activity. Not everybody can exercise, right? Running is a physical activity. Okay. Um, lifting weights is exercise, right? So he made that distinction. And the reason he made That's that distinction is because due to socioeconomic status, your ability to exercise may be limited, hmm. but your ability to have uh, physical activity is not. Physical activity will, is probably limited more by the mental than the physical mm -hmm. in the case of physical activity. Well, sure. exercising, it involves equipment, um, you know, be it, you know, a pull-up bar or leg press machine. Mm -hmm. But the reason I bring it up is because in that conversation, he also talked about the, the, the concept of fitness and how it is used very wrong that anybody that is fit is anybody with a, a good body shape, muscles, skinny. And, um, and he says, that's, that's the industry of fitness, right? That's what they've right. been able to sell. But when I think of mental and physical fitness, I do want to put the, 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 the footprint or the footnote. Well, there's certainly mental conditions out there. And to assume that everybody can control it at the same level may not be necessarily the case. Right. But bearing those 
situations, perhaps the extremes, um, how can you control your main mental state? Um, you're doing yoga. That helps you mentally, right? I don't. Do breathing. <laughs> I do the breathing. Yes. Um, I don't exercise. Do you exercise? Uh, you know, I will tell you, um, I've had different portions of my life when exercise has been really a critical piece um, or activity has been a really critical piece. And, you know, I, I went through two pregnancies. I didn't exercise. Yeah. <laughs> I my right hand with ice cream into my mouth. So um, it just, I think it depends on where you are in your life, what kind of time capacity. The one thing I would say is if we go through all these things that we've listed here, right? And the mm -hmm. thing we're talking about things like, um, gratitude, um, positivity, um, thinking of your self-talk, thinking of your breath, all of these things are all led by the way that you treat your body. Um, mm. I am a true believer of that, mentally, physically. Um, you know, I've adopted in a meditation practice. I never in my life thought I could meditate. I just thought I'm, I'm, I have so much going on. My brain is always running and moving. And, and finding that quiet space actually is really it has completely changed the game in terms of how I can even approach the day. Um, but there needs to be activity and physical movement. I can feel the difference in my body when I don't do something. Mm -hmm. and, um, I think that's a really important um, thing, whether you go for a walk around the block or whether you go to a gym. And I know we can't do that right now, but um, you know, it's important to get that movement. Yeah, but I, th I think also, then- It's a mental piece. They, they oh, run that, hand in hand. Listen, right? for a lot of people, the whole idea of not being able to exercise, go to the it's, gym and really have yes. a regimen right now in these circumstances so is tough. It is not yes. for me because I, I don't exercise, right? Yeah. I do physical activity. I would walk around. I do walk uh, quite a bit. I do move quite a bit you know, throughout the day, but I don't, I don't purposely- start the day or end the day with I'm going to the gym or I'm going downstairs to the basement. I'm going to run, you know, five miles or a mile. Um, and I have to admit, I just told my son, um, we were talking about, we were talking about something that I said, you know, why are you fighting this? You know, at the end of the day, you're not interested. Oh, learning, learning Spanish. Um, oh, right. um and, and he says, important. I, I said to him, I said, just admit it. You, 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 you just, you just don't want to do it. And he says, it's not that I don't want to do it. It's that I, I don't care. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing. Don't care. Don't want to do it. And I said, yeah. that's like me. I, I want to exercise, but I really don't want to exercise. So I don't care right. about exercising right now. And that's when my wife comes There's in and level, says, you have to. You have to. I mean, it's good for your health, honestly. Of course. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but there's the apathy of it, right? Of not giving a rip at all and just kind of moving it out of out of the space. But you you obviously care about it in some way. You know that it's important for you. It's it's really hard. It's it's like any any good thing in our life. It takes practice. It takes um, repetition. It takes um, tenacity to keep it up. And you know, life is very fluid and there are days when things just don't work out the way that you want to. And so we go back to this theme that we started with in the, in the terms of control and, um, you know, the hardest part, and, and especially now in, in this pandemic era, um, we have no control over anything. And yeah. much as I want to wake up in the morning and say to you, I've got this list of a thousand things and I'm going to get it done and... <laughs> You know, sometimes I get to the end of the day and I'm like, what did I even get done today? Yeah. 
Yeah. And do I even feel good about myself? And oh, by the way, wait a second. We have a roof over our shoulders. We're healthy. Like I have to go back to those basic. Yes. Right. Those basic things um, that say I'm fulfilled by other ways. So, you know, it's, it's giving these moments. And so sometimes control is letting go of control Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to be something too. And I think um, when it comes to working out and like, yes, you can be super regimented, but you also can place it in your life. So it benefits you. Right. Correct. Correct. Listen, I, I, I I would tell you this um, when it comes to, anything, pursuing your dreams, um, exercising, um, it doesn't matter what it is. The, the mental state to me, if you're able to push through the mental barriers, I think the rest becomes a lot easier. It's just, right. it's just that the brain, it just, the mind can just, in oh my way. God, just gets in the way. That's right. It's wow. You know, what's really funny. So, um, and, and I'm not saying this because I'm bragging by any means, but I've run a couple of marathons and I simply did it. I will tell you the premise was that somebody told me I couldn't do it mm-hmm. about saying, Oh wait, excuse me. And I went and I, I to prove you wrong, I'm not only going to do one, I'm going to do five, you know, yes, yes, yes. So, but I want to talk about marathon training because that really, there's a lot of things I learned during that time. I'm not training for any marathons now. The only reason I would be running is because I'm being chased by someone now. So, um, but the, the idea of marathon training, it really is team and it really gets you to that place where you have to think past the pain. Right. And so I remember I was running my very first marathon. Um, and you know, I had been training for five months, um, to try to run 26.2 miles. Mm-hmm. Tell you that what they do during training is they get you up to 20 miles so that you know you can run 20 miles and the, the next six you have to visualize the next six right or at least that's the way i was taught that, that, okay got it visualize the next 6.2 miles and visualize yourself crossing that finish line and knowing and that is a mental game because your body can break down and i'm going to tell you that it wasn't the 26 miles that killed me during the race it was the last point two. And Mm. I was going to fall on the ground and not make it to, um, to the finish line was when I saw a sign, a gentleman was holding up because, you know, there's always like a big crowd of people who are trying to cheer you on. Hey, you're doing it. Um, and it said, pain is temporary. Pride is forever. Mm. Yeah. And my mental toughness kicked in and all of a sudden that last point, I'm like, just, you know, run, just go. And I just go line and it was like my whole body collapsed because I just it was so overwhelming but it was completely a mental game and you have to have that mental toughness you have to have that that um that exercising the brain that allows you that point to get to that next step right well there's a there's a movie I think I think it's called Brittany runs a marathon I think I I saw it it on Amazon it's very funny yeah Mm -hmm. yeah have you seen it yeah yeah And, and I tell you when I watched it Mental toughness. It's the mental toughness. It just having that mental toughness too. And just because you have mental toughness in one thing doesn't necessarily mean that you may have it in everything, right? Oh, gosh, no. (laughs) Again, we're not perfect. We're human. (laughs) That movie captures very well what you just articulated, which to me, you can translate to anything outside of of the marathon. It's just life in general and work. Um, Okay, the last two is related. Your diet. Mm. I think we agree that we can control our diet. Um, yes. Certainly, 
you know, I love ice cream. Right before setting up, I was having a pint of Haagen-Dazs chocolate. An entire pint? No, I didn't have the entire pint, but I had like three quarters. <laughs> Gustavo, when I was a little girl, my grandparents, when I was born, opened a, an ice cream shop called Helados Nicol. Oh, really? And um, that, I feel, is my claim to fame, right? I had an ice cream shop when I was a little kid, so of course I love ice cream. Oh, I, yes. Ice cream in my... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what I started doing, uh, uh, my, my, my eating habits are not the best. Yeah. Uh, I did start uh, intermittent fasting. So I am eating normally between 11 and 7, 12 and 7. And right. I've been pretty, pretty... Um, uh, strict after seven, I don't eat anything. That's it. Right. It's done. If I extend it to eight o'clock for whatever reason, after eight o'clock, I don't eat anything. I've stopped eating, you know, late nights, candy, everything. It doesn't matter how much ice cream I have there. Once right. I close that window, I close the window. And I have to admit, <laughs> you know, talking about that, that, that self-talk, right. I'm very proud that I've been committed to that. And somebody at work was saying, yeah, but you eat a lot of crap. And I said, listen, it's one step at a time. <laughs> That's right. It's, it's little, baby steps. That's all. Baby steps. Yes. 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 <laughs> anything this pandemic should teach all of us is that we're just trying to figure it out. We're That's all, right. That's right. Listen. We're all just trying to figure it out. And you know, it's real life, right? It's, well, um, we can hide it a lot better when we're not stuck inside, but we're grounded yeah. right now and we're just doing our best, you know. Well, you know, obviously, because, you know, I have a brother that was pretty famous. And, um, <laughs> and one of the things that I learned as a kid watching someone becoming so big and so famous right. and so well known is that it doesn't matter what you watch on TV. Mm -hmm. You never see what happens behind the scenes. And the reality is that behind the scenes, they're struggling. And having the same issues that you and I are having. Some with a lot more money than we do. No question okay. about it. And, and money, I will tell you, as I've been able to financially become much more stable, the mental health, you can ask my wife, my mental health have, have, has gotten better. Not that I am in abundance here, a millionaire, not even close. But, but that mental health has gotten better. But I, will, I always so tell myself. Well, right. but, but I have to admit I never get fooled by the idea that because somebody sells me a happy life on TV, that that's the way they're living it. Right. Because luckily, sure. I got to see my brother on a stage with millions of people millions. screaming his name and going, right. oh my God. And then I would go behind the scenes and the struggles that he would have just like an everyday person, especially when he lost all that fame and then became just a regular guy. A normal person. Yeah. That, that talk about, you know, withdrawal symptoms. That was a withdrawal symptom. So seeing that for me as a kid always reminds me people cannot forget that behind the camera, there's reality. And the reality is that every single one of us is struggling with something or some things. So don't be fooled simply because somebody's talking to you that they're right. living this perfect life because chances are that they're not. They may be pretending, in some cases they may be, but in general, it's my opinion that most people, they're just going through the daily grind of life and trying That's to figure right. it out, right? All right, and the last one. Last one, woo! You can control your sleep. 
do you do you sleep well? I mean, do you fall asleep quickly? Yes, very much so. Really? This only started, so again, having children later in life, um, my daughter was born at 40, my son was born at when I was 43. Um, and I will tell you that in the first couple of years, there wasn't any sleep because when you have young children, for those of you that do, you understand, like you just, you don't sleep. Um, and last year at the beginning of 2019, I knew something had to shift. I knew something had to change. And the first thing I started with Gustavo was my sleep. Mm. And I commitment, I'm going to sleep eight hours a night, no matter what. I'm going to make that uh, a decision. There is so much sleep science that is out there that proves that you need your sleep. Um, this is not me just saying this. This is like scientifically proven that your brain functionality, your body functionality, your physicality, your health, everything, everything falls under how much you get to sleep, how, how cognitive you are and how, um, how you can solve problems all fall into the way you sleep. So I made a commitment last year and I will tell you that probably um, in a week, I probably get six days of eight hours a night. Really? Yeah. And, yeah. I, and if it's not eight hours, it's seven hours. That's that one night. So but it I, takes work. It's a it, commitment. This is a major commitment. And you hear people all the time say, oh, I can live on four hours of sleep. Quite frankly, the science says different. So I use a, an app that tracks my, my sleep. Oh, hold on. My camera left. I want to make sure that it's still You're there. Back. Hi. Yeah, yeah, there's a right. lot of great sleeping. Um, sleeping so I out. keep track of it. And I have to admit, if there's something that I do have is I can fall asleep anywhere. Yes. Very quickly. I, I think my average in terms of falling asleep is within eight minutes. So Isn't from it the, great that you can manage this all through tech? It's my wife, my <laughs> wife hates the fact that I can sleep so easily. Um, but I've noticed as I've gotten older, the days that I can't sleep, which are rare, I feel it. I go, yes. oh my God. And that actually had helped me appreciate my wife's inability to just quickly fall asleep because when that mind is going, generally, I can fall asleep. I can somehow shut yeah. it down. Yeah. Um, but the, there has been days when I go, why is it that I can't sleep? And I try and I try and I turn and I turn and I go, oh my God, if this is somebody that has to deal with this every day, every day. three days a week, four days a week, I, I, I don't envy them. I can sleep very quickly, and, but I'm averaging about six, seven hours of sleep. Yeah. Um, and your body and your body's telling you what you need. Um, you know, what's interesting is you can teach yourself to sleep. And people don't believe this. Um, I, my mom actually will sleep maybe three hours a night and she wonders why everything's kind of off. And, and I'm like, first off, and I'm no doctor, so please, I, and, and yeah. no yeah. scientific degree or anything, I just do a lot of reading because I'm curious, right? Yep. yep. Um, and I tell her all the time, <clears throat> your cognitive ability is being messed up because you're not sleeping well enough. So you're not making decisions as quickly as you possibly could. And, um, you know, there, there are theories that you can use natural medicines like, <clears throat> excuse me, acupuncture to help you sleep better. You can meditate at night to try to help you fall into sleeping, mm -hmm. but there's mm -hmm. a practice that you can, you know, having your device close to you. You hear this on the news all the time. Don't touch your phone. Don't have your phone close to you at nighttime. Um, and these are some, some standard things, but we're all really guilty 
Um, yeah, um, I mean, that's a habit that I have. I, I go to sleep with it, put it next, you know, I activate the- Oh, it's uh, like you're like, oh, my precious. <laughs> my precious come to sleep with me it's like you know i i actually wanted to take some some photos you know with the background for the po for the podcast yeah, yeah. and promoted it and i actually thought about taking the pictures with the phone in the hand because i said yeah. if i want to show people who i am well clearly having the phone yeah. in my head has to be there because right. it's, it's always there so i go to sleep with the phone and i wake up with the phone so yeah. again we're talking about being real here. It's not about being these uh, fake individuals that are having these no. perfect lives. Um, so those yes. are the seven, the seven items that that. Those uh, are great. Yeah, I, I think those. it's a great list. Now, yeah, it's a great list. We didn't talk about what you can control in the workplace, mm -hmm. but but the reality is that I think the premise is the same, right? Yes. Um, we all have these ups and downs in the workplace, and again, I, I can only tell you. Um, everybody has their moments. Everybody's going through something, something. and mm -hmm. you just know, you never know what's going behind the scenes. If there's something that I learned as an actor, as you can see, it did not work out. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what I did learn is the audience doesn't know if you made a mistake. No, so never. They just don't know. Right. Right. So the same premise I apply in life. You just don't know what's happening behind the scenes. That's right. Um, and, you know, you have to take it, at least from my perspective, I just look at everybody and say, look, I don't know the circumstances behind the scenes. I know what my expectations are, but maybe I could give a little bit of wiggle room in that thought process to say what might be happening behind the scenes. So. Right. Here we close. So we're at the end uh, of our conversation. We've spoken for 55 minutes, just so you know. That was um, nothing. <laughs> that was nothing, right? I'm sure you and I could keep on going. <laughs> oh, believe me. So, so what would be your, 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 your final message, your final thoughts to share, uh, not only for me, but those that are listening and watching us? Yeah, I think, you know, the bottom line is, is, um, and I think especially during this time, one thing that, um, and I may have said this, so I'm repeating something, but I think it's a really prevalent um, message right now is being forgiving of yourself. We are not perfect people. Um, you know, I have a lot of aspirations and ideas of what I think I should be, but really I should be grateful for where I am right now and appreciate the time and enjoy the moments. And, you know, when, when it doesn't turn out perfect, that's okay, because that's probably good too. And there's a reason why it's happening the way it is. And so, yeah. um, if anything, learning how to go with the flow, um, and, and not try to control every single second of the, you know, and this pandemic has really pushed me to my limit because literally I've lived by my calendar by minute by minute. And I probably will tell you, I am the least stressed, like in my day to day life that I've been in years. Mm. And I, because I'm not allowing a calendar to control um, everything. And if it happens, and I'm not saying that I'm not accomplishing things. It's just, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, I have to be okay with that too. Yeah. Yeah. I think you have to be really forgiving of yourself and, and just respect it and know that everyone's going through something like you said. I think that, I think that's for me the takeaway in general, uh, not only through this period, but you know, as I, re as I reflect on my life, um, the self-talk, it's something that I need to be better at. 
uh, because I can be, I can, I can beat myself down very easily. It's like I you say, you can abuse yourself. Yeah. You don't realize that you're abusing yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but also, you know, even even within our company at Millennia, since I arrived, uh, I told the team, we're going to live by the premise that life happens. That's right. I'm not saying that I'm going to accept everything. But at least I have to be willing to listen and consider it. There's, there might be some parameters and there might be a framework, but life happens. So somebody is late. What happened? Uh, somebody wants to quit. What happened? Uh, right. Versus going into that immediate state of either defensiveness or rejecting. Oh, well, that's not the way that I would approach it. Well, but that's not you, right? Yeah. Um, and, 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 and it's been a tough exercise, uh, not only with this company, but in prior companies, because you're always being challenged to consider what others might be going through, what others might be thinking. And, and not every time you have the opportunity or the luxury to say, okay, well, I see, I'm just going to let it go, right? Um, because this is where the policies come into play, the business expectations come into play. But I've, but I've been preaching for the last two years, guys, life happens. So let's make sure that we are careful that we are jumping the gun. Can we at least ask ourselves, even if we jump the gun, can we then stop and say, all right, what have we not considered, right? right. So if we are talking about operations, and what we need to do operationally, at some point we should stop and say, how does that impact people, right? What are the consequences of this on people? And how does it align with what we want people to be able to do and accomplish? And certainly in this environment, you know, people are calling and say, look, I'm scared to come back to work. Right. Got it. Got it. Or I, I don't have daycare to take care of my kids. What do I do? So the concept of life happens, um, it's something that I, I, I try every day to, to incorporate in everything that I do. And I'm trying to do a better job with my kids and my wife because I have to admit I'm much more patient and work at work, work yeah. than I am at home. And it's because you have to be. <laughs> I guess, um, yeah. yeah. You know, it's, you have to be. Um, yeah. But I think for everything that we've talked about today, whether it starts at breathing all the way to your mental health, your sleeping, um, all of those things affect you at work too, right? So, yeah. you know, everything. This. So it's just, it's looking holistically at your life and, and look, you're going to be good at all of it all the time, but you try to be good at it most of the time. Well, listen, uh, Nicole, as always, it's a pleasure connecting with you. So um, you. Uh, for you those for of you that's so, absolutely, uh, you know, I say prima because we are actually somehow related. We don't know how yeah. far it goes, but that's how we <laughs> discovered crazy. that we were related. Oh, my God, we're related. <laughs> so if you hear me talking to Prima, Prima is cousin. Uh, Primo it. is cousin, but the male, the male version. version. <laughs> um, but, you know, I always enjoy uh, our conversations. Uh, I wish you the best. And obviously, we'll, we'll be in touch. Excellent. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you very much. All right.